Hey everyone, I'm your host, Wesley Tran, and welcome to Recovering Travel Junkie, a podcast where we'll be discussing how traveling has impacted a person's personal growth and purpose, and we'll be diving deeper to understanding the world's different human beings. Welcome to Recovering Travel Junkie. Today, we have a special friend of mine. She's the leader of a homeless ministry at Point Loma Nazarene University. She's obsessed with dogs and is always down to get boba or a Baja blast from Taco Bell. She is my friend, Holly Aldridge. Welcome. Hi, everybody. And so I like to ask this question to all my guests. Do you Mm -hmm. remember how we first met or what our first interaction was? Oh, goodness. Um, I think... (laughs) I think it would be one of the Friday night homeless ministries. And I remember you had your guitar and I needed a picture because I was there for a sociology class. And so I was like, Oh, I need to ask one of the leaders for a picture. So I went up and asked to like take a selfie with a couple other people from my class. And I think that was like the first, like, I guess you would call that like an interaction, but Mm -hmm. that's probably the first thing I remember. And then obviously we got to know each other more and more with like hanging out after the Friday night homeless ministries. But I think that would be the first like thing I remember about you. That's awesome because I totally did not remember that interaction whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I don't remember our first interaction together. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. I don't know if it was quite like an interaction, but it's the first time I remember like seeing you or like noticing you. Cause I'm sure I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd been to homeless ministries before, but yeah. So mm. Yeah. yeah. And I like to start off by asking you about your hometown of Orange County and how it was growing up there. So can you tell us how it was like just growing up in Southern California? Um, I moved around a lot like when I was really young, but I've been living in Brea, California, which is in Northern Orange County since I was five. So I would consider that like my home. And Brea is like a pretty small town, but it's around a lot of bigger towns like Fullerton or Anaheim or Yorba Linda. But I absolutely love Brea. And I was just talking to a friend the other day and like showing them around my town. And it's just like, it's a small town, but there's a lot in it. And it's meant like a lot to me. And I definitely, it would be a place that I would like recommend to people, but also like possibly want to live when I'm older. It's just like a, really nice little town and Mm. it's small, but like, I like it. It's Mm. a like nice feeling small. Yeah. yeah. Whenever you travel, what's one thing that you miss from Brea? Hmm. I would say all just like the comfort and like proximity, like all of my friends live so close to me since we've known each other since elementary school. So whenever I, travel like I'm just used to things being so close together that when I Mm. travel like I feel like you have to go to like different cities for things whereas Brea has a lot including like friends and just like activities it's like I feel like everything's in my town so that's something that Mm. I really value about it is that I feel like I don't have to I don't have to travel outside not that traveling like outside of Brea is bad but it does have like a lot within it even though it is so small Mm. 
That's cool. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation before I hit record that San Diego changed you a lot. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me what about you changed during the transition to college and why you chose Point Loma as well? Um, I think one of the big draws, obviously for a lot of people for Point Loma is the location. And that's like, I think an initial draw, but past that, I think I chose Point Loma a lot for the community and just the community that I saw like had potential. I also liked like the distance from home cause it's around like an hour and a half. But one of the big ways that I think it's changed me is through like the ministries that I've been able to be a part of. So I think like being involved in our homeless ministries and our community ministries in general, I think that's something that I like really value about Point Loma that we put so much like time and effort into. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like super important and I've definitely like grown to love San Diego on like a much deeper level because of our community ministries, because we're able to see the city as like more of a whole than just like the little bubble that Point Loma has. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. So before you were a homeless ministry leader, did you have any ministry experience at all? Um, yeah, I had ministry experience, but more in terms of like, kids ministry or youth ministry, not necessarily a lot in homeless ministry. I'd been on like one trip to San Francisco, but that was when I was like 14 years old. So I don't remember it that much, but the homeless ministry at Point Loma was something that was definitely like new to me. And I really had no idea what to expect. And I think that's why it blew me away even more is because I had almost like zero expectations. I kind of even in a way, like was thinking I wouldn't enjoy it. And then I was completely just like blown away by just how much it had an impact on me, even after the first night that I went out. So Mm. are there any impactful stories of being a volunteer or a leader at homeless ministries that you want to share that helped you just like build this passion for the people? I think One of the stories that when I think about our ministry that really sticks out is actually from another leader that I'd gotten a chance to kind of just like observe. And I think one of the ways that it really impacted me was showing like um, how as Christians, like we are called to be like selfless. And one of the leaders that I'm pretty close with I was talking to somebody, but out of the corner of my eye, I saw him on the other corner of the street and I saw him simply just take off his jacket and give it to one of our friends. And that was something that really impacted me because I knew it wasn't him trying to be like showy of like, oh, I'm such a great person. I'm going to give my jacket to someone else. He did it in like literally just in front of like him, his friend who lives on the streets and God. And it just happened that I like saw the interaction. And so that really impacted me because I think a lot of times it's easy to be like, Oh, I do ministry and I'm going to be this amazing person and kind of be showy of our service. But that was something that impacted me because we're called to do things like that, like in private and not Mm -hmm. for other people to see, but just, for 
the sole benefit of like loving and helping others. So that was something that I think really stuck with me. And after that, I just felt like called to just live out my faith in that way. Mm. And so what led you to transition from a volunteer into a leader for the homeless ministries at Point Loma? I think I definitely have that quality of wanting to be kind of like an achiever in a way. And so that obviously was part of it, but I think I have like a built-in passion that God's given me for ministry and I'm really grateful for it. And when there was like an opportunity presented of getting to be a leader, that was something that I felt God was calling me to accept. And it was definitely an uncomfortable thing to accept just because I was only like second semester freshman. And so that was kind of hard for me because I had to kind of accept that I was going to be a really young leader and be younger Mm -hmm. than a lot of the volunteers themselves. So that was something that came with a lot of like uncomfortability, but at the same time, I saw so much growth in myself because I think I was pushed in that way. So there was the opportunity presented and I felt called to accept it. And through accepting it, I was able to grow a lot. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. And so at your time at Point Loma, you're studying psychology and you plan on being a counselor or a therapist. Do you see yourself working with the homeless in that type of way of counseling them, providing them therapy, or what's the long-term goal for that? I think this is really broad, but I think the long-term goal is to help people. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I am kind of learning that I have to be open because I don't, I feel like I have so many different things that I want to do that I kind of just have to accept that like, I'll end up where I need to be and help the people that I need to help. And so I definitely would love to work with the homeless population. And I think that would be something that I would really enjoy. And of course there's, there would be obvious struggles with that, just with the depth of those relationships and the depth of the hurt that a lot of those people are in. But I do think that that would be something I would really love to do. But I have to remember to be open to whatever, however I'm led. And so yeah, I, I think the long-term goal is basically just to help people. I have no idea what it's going to look like. And so mm-hmm. and I kind okay. of tell myself not to, yeah, not to freak out about it. And I still have two more years of college, so... Hopefully, I'll feel even more called somewhere at the end of that. But even if I don't, I think I'll end up where I need to be. Mm. And so you're definitely passionate about ministry. And you've actually done some summer trips to the Ukraine to serve there. Can you Mm -hmm. tell us more about that experience? So at my church, every summer... We go on like a senior trip is what it's called. And all the seniors in our class um, are able to go on an overseas missions trip. And so 
my year actually was the first year that we returned to Ukraine because of the war that they have that they were in and still are in, but we were able to safely return to Ukraine because we have a longstanding relationship with the church there. And so my going into my senior year, I was able to go to Ukraine for the first time. And I was, after that trip, I was just, I felt drawn to the country and drawn to the friendships that I'd made there, but also seeing how God is working in a country where there seems to be so little hope. Mm. And so I just felt really called to the country. And so I was able to return the next summer. And then the summer after that, I was able to go again. And it's been really cool just to see the progression of relationships, but also not just my relationships with my friends there, but their relationships with each other and like with the church and with God also grow. So it's just been a really cool opportunity for the past four years to be a part of that and be able to witness that. And so that's something that I really hold like really close to my heart is just the, just the progression that I've been able to see and like Mm. how much it's impacted me and how much my friends there have impacted me. Cause I think a lot of my friends there, I would consider some of my best friends and oh wow, crazy to just consider people all the way across the world as some of my best friends. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so what are ways that you keep in touch with them in the Ukraine to keep that relationship strong? I don't think I would have said this before, like before I'd gone on my trip, but I'm so grateful for technology because obviously that's one of the only ways when I'm not there that I can communicate with them. And I'm so grateful for the times where it doesn't have to be a FaceTime call. And I think one of the things we say all the time is like, when we're in person, we say like, it's not FaceTime, it's real life. And we just get to like hug each other and be so happy that we're actually in each other's presence. But Mm -hmm. FaceTime calls definitely or DMing each other on Instagram or Viber. So lots of lots of different ways to keep in touch over technology so i'm very grateful for technology for that reason just to stay in contact because i think it would be really hard to be able to keep the relationship as strong as it is if we only had that connection once a year mm, for sure yeah and what were the biggest struggles and challenges that you faced during each trip i think hmm I think the first year that I went, it was hard just because it was a definite culture shock, just because I really didn't know what to expect at all. And in ways, Ukraine is very similar to the U.S., but in other ways, it's definitely not. And I think language was a huge barrier also, just because a lot of the campers that we were working with didn't speak very much English and I don't speak a lot of Ukrainian. So it was just hard to Mm -hmm. have that barrier of language. So that was something I definitely needed to be pushed in is just working on building a relationship without a lot of it being through conversation. So Mm -hmm. whether that be like playing volleyball or playing a game of soccer, playing Frisbee and building a relationship that way, or just trying to have very simple conversations in English or using a lot of gestures. So that was definitely an adjustment the first year. Mm. And then the second year, I would say a struggle that I had to overcome is one of our trip leaders. She 
had a medical emergency that on the second day she had to be like evacuated from the country and come home to the U.S. Um, wow. She found out that she needed to get a surgery and she had to come to the U.S. to do that. And so that was just a big adjustment for our team since it was a small team already and then having her team leader leave. And she's one of my best friends. So that was a big adjustment for me because it was a lot of expectations that I felt like were shattered. But through that, we were able to grow so much closer as a team. And I think it was definitely God that like pushed us up and like allowed us to serve to the best of our abilities. And that camp was honestly probably one of my favorite camps. And then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought it would be after I'd known that she'd gone home and everything was going to change. I would have been like, no, this is going to suck. And after looking back, it's definitely one of the best camps that we'd done. So what made it so memorable and special? I think one of the things is that it was a group of a lot of people that we didn't have previous relationship. And so it Mm. was a lot of new people that didn't know each other being brought together. And I think from that, there was already kind of barriers put up in my mind. And I think in a lot of our minds, because we didn't expect on getting as close as we did. So I think it was a shock to all of us how much we grew and how close we grew in the amount of time just because we had to rely on each other so much. Mm. Wow. Mm. And how about that third summer? Were there any other challenges that you faced? I think the third summer that I went, probably this one was a little bit different of a trip just because I was able to go on the high school seniors trip, but as a leader. And Mm. so that one kind of like in relation to homeless ministries, I was a very young leader since I was only two years older than the high school seniors. And with that, my sister was also a senior. So a lot of the people knew me as Maya's friend or like they are my... (laughs) sorry, they knew me as Maya's sister and Maya's their friend. So they saw me as a friend and not a leader. So that was something that I had to overcome myself. But also I felt like I kind of had to prove myself as a leader because the other leaders were like over five years older than I was. So Mm -hmm. something that I kind of had to overcome in my own head, but it ended up that the leaders and I got to be pretty close. And so it was very rewarding at the end of it to see how, as I think doubtful as I was in the beginning to be a leader of myself to then after the trip, be able to see that I did have like the ability and I was accepted age that I am by the students and the other leaders to be a young leader. Yeah. So what types of actions did you do to earn the respect of the seniors and the other leaders? I think one of the biggest things was experience. Since I had been to Ukraine two times before, some of the leaders had never been. And Mm. some of the leaders that had been, it was like many years ago. So I think with having like my trips being so recent and being so and having the passion of mine be so present, I think that was something that really helped me kind of gain the respect of the other leaders and of the seniors because I feel like 
I knew a lot of like what to expect. And so in trainings beforehand, that was something that the main team leader had asked me to help with is like preparing for like just different things to expect or what camp actually will look like or what things you should know that the organization that we go through won't necessarily like tell you. So I just had a lot of hands-on experience that I was able to contribute to the incoming team of seniors. And so that was something that I think I was able to use and help the rest of my team with. That's awesome. And which location in the Ukraine did you serve at? We serve in, it's called the Carpathian Mountains. So we fly into a city called Lviv, but then um, it's a week-long camp that we help serve at. And for that, we take a bus into the Ukrainian mountains. And so we serve technically in the Carpathian Mountains, but the churches that we serve are located in Lviv. Mm. And do you serve ethnically Ukrainian people or an ethnic minority? We serve Ukrainian people. So Ukraine, um, most people living in Lviv are Ukrainian, whereas I think in other villages, there aren't as many concentrated Ukrainians, but in the city of Lviv, most people that we serve are Ukrainian. Mm. Mm And what's one experience, memorable experience that you've had with one of the people that you served with? Um, I think one of my favorite experiences is the second year that I went, I love just making like funny videos. And so I decided to make a music video with the whole camp and I had decided, like, me and my friend were just making it by ourselves, and then we were like, this would be so cool if we got every single camper in the video with us. And so it was something that I felt brought the whole camp together is because we were able to all watch it together and be like, oh, that's me, or like, that's me. And so it was just really cool to be able to include everyone in that way, and I think that brought us together a lot. And so that was an experience, and when I look back on the video, it's just so fun to watch because everyone from that camp is in it. So it's just really fun and to look back on and just smile and remember like all of the fun memories of that camp. That's so cool. Yeah. And during these trips, did was there one particular moment that just sparked your interest in psychology or therapy counseling that you knew that you wanted to do this? Um, I think one of the ways that Crane has kind of led me to love psychology and want to pursue psychology more is just that every time I'm there, there's so many new people that I get to talk to. And that's something that I think I've really learned that I love is just getting to sit down with someone and have a conversation with them. And that's something that I think I really love about psychology. I just think it's fascinating to sit down with someone and get to know more and more about them and be able to love them and support them. And I think that really connects with psychology, having a background of knowledge of why people are the way that they are. And that's Mm. something I really love about psychology is just getting to know more and more about people. Mm. That's awesome. And what's one tip you would give to a person to overcome a language barrier? And I guess in particular to the Ukrainians. 
or just I think whatever. one tip would be that it's okay not to know what to say because I think a lot of times actions speak a lot louder than words. So just being able to be there and be present and show that like you want to get to know someone despite being able to actually talk to them means a lot, especially in terms of in Ukraine, when you show that you want to get to know someone despite you not being able to say almost anything to them, it just means a lot that you still want to pursue that relationship, even though you can't necessarily have like a super in-depth conversation. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And is there any fun facts that you want to share about the Ukraine to us now that we're about to end the topic of Ukraine? I think one thing that kind of blew me away the first time I went there is the fact that they really don't drink water there. They always drink tea. So even like on like a hot summer day, usually they'll drink tea instead of like water after like they've been like at camp, like we'll be like playing outside and they'll be like hot tea and they don't really ice either. So it's just definitely just a difference in our cultures. They, they really love tea in Ukraine. And that's something that I've learned to love because I don't think I really loved tea before I went there. And now whenever I'm in Ukraine, I love drinking tea. So. Mm, that's so awesome. And let's transition to another country that's had an impact on you, which unfortunately was cut super short, which is Italy and in particular Florence. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about how that trip was? Um, my trip to Florence, so I was able to study abroad this semester in Florence. And sadly, yes, the trip was cut a little bit short, I was, but I'm still so grateful that I was able to be there for the month that I was. And that's something that I'm always going to remember and always going to be super grateful for because not very many people can say that they were able to live in Europe for a month. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just really grateful for the experience of all the experiences that I was able to have in that month. Also just to be able to live there. And I think it definitely broadened my knowledge of the world, just being able to live in Europe for a month. Mm. And was there a form of culture shock of whatsoever? Because you're already experienced with the Ukraine and at least with Florence, it's also Europe, but still not Ukraine. I think there wasn't as big of a culture shock as there was in Ukraine. And maybe that is because I'd already been to Ukraine, but there definitely is a lot of differences. One of them that in Europe compared to America is just the amount of like public transportation, but also walking. And it's something that I absolutely love about Europe is people walk everywhere. And it's so fun to me that like, instead of just getting in a car to go somewhere, people will walk there. And I just like, that's something that I love about going there is that we just get to walk and walk all the time. And yeah, I love walking places instead of just getting in a car or like a train to go there. Mm. And what was your favorite place to walk to in Florence? Oh boy. Um, I loved that all of our classes throughout Italy throughout Florence were spread out. So it wasn't one main campus. The classes were spread out at six different locations throughout the city. So 
each class that I had, there was like a different route to get there. And so it was fun to just explore the city as I was walking to class. Mm. And so Florence, I only know it from one video game called Assassin's Creed 2. And it showcases Leonardo da Vinci a lot because that's the place where he flourished. Mm -hmm. Did your classes show you anything about da Vinci and all his awesome designs? I'm just... Um, not in the classes that I was in. I was kind of bummed because I didn't take any art classes or art history classes. Um, Mm -hmm. but I know a lot of my friends were in art history classes or specific art classes where they were able to go to different museums throughout Florence since there are so many art museums and they were able to see some of his art and they were also able to see, um, a bunch of different artists, art within different museums and we were actually able to live on the Ponte Vecchio which is a river going throughout Florence but with that we were able to live probably like a two-minute walk to the the Uffizi which is a famous museum in Florence and it's a really large museum and so we were able to go there one of our days there and it was really cool to be exposed to like all of this amazing like historical artwork. Mm. Yeah. And during your time in Florence, did you get a chance to interact with the citizens there? We were able, one of the relationships that I really value is we were able to be living right next door to a restaurant. And so that was really fun because people that worked at the restaurant were probably 20 to 25 years old and they had someone that would always be standing outside telling people about the restaurant or like showing them menus to try to get them to come in and eat there and that was someone that we got to form a really fun relationship with because he would always be outside so whenever we walked outside of our door he would say hi to us and that was really fun because even though he didn't speak a lot of English either we were able to build on that relationship sometimes we'd pull out like google translate and we would just get to like develop that relationship with him and his name was Stiliano and he was just such a fun guy and it was really fun to get to know him and um yeah get to yeah just get to know him more and that was really fun that's awesome and did you take any psychology classes therapy classes or language classes to communicate with people I sadly didn't take a language class and I really wish that I would have, but I did take, technically it was a psychology class and it counts for psychology credit at my school. It was a class called art therapy. And so it'll count as an elective for my major, but that was really cool because it was really valuable to be able to have professors that were all Italian. So they weren't American professors, they were all Italian. And so that was really cool because they're able to teach classes from such like a different perspective, I feel like, because they weren't educated in the U.S. like all of us were. So there was cool little snippets of knowledge that they were able to include in lots of lectures because obviously we have grown up in a lot different of like a culture than they have. And so it was really cool to be able to learn from people that weren't just like American professors like we, like I've been taught like my whole life. So that Mm. was really cool. Can you give up one example of how they taught you in the Italian way? One of the ways that 
sticks out is I was in a class called biomedical ethics and the professor actually had such like valuable knowledge to contribute to our class because he was a paramedic. So he worked on an ambulance in Ukraine. And one of the biggest differences that he pointed out is healthcare in Italy versus healthcare in the U S. And so he was able to contribute a lot of knowledge, especially because he was a paramedic. He just had a lot of knowledge within the medical field and like ethical standpoints within that. So that was really cool because he had such hands-on experience with, yeah, with, um, like health within Italy. Mm. Mm -hmm. And were you in Italy during the time of the lockdown when everything was going down in January? Yeah. So we were in Italy up until it got like pretty bad, but luckily we were in Florence and Florence never got to the point that Venice or like the region of Lombardy or like, Milan got. So we were lucky in that sense, but there was still definitely a freak out in Florence, um, more towards the end of us being there. And obviously that's why we were sent home just because the country itself was hit pretty hard. Yeah. And how did you and the rest of the students react to that while you were there? How did you keep yourselves calm and I think one of, so obviously every day there was new information coming out and it's hard because you don't know what to trust and what to believe. And at the time that I was there, even my like uh, ethics professor was telling us that it should like, it's not that big of a deal and it'll be over in a month, which now looking back, we can see that it's a lot bigger of a deal than they thought it was at the time. A lot of that contributes to why they were hit so hard is because many people had that mindset in Italy that it wasn't that big of a thing. But we were able to, we kind of just had the mindset that we were only probably going to be living in Florence once. So we didn't want to sit and worry about it we also did want to be safe and not put ourselves mm-hmm. at risk. So there was that hard balance of knowing whether to be very worried about it or we were just being fed so many different kinds of information. So it was hard being especially a U.S. citizen while it was happening because I think it was handled very differently from many different cultures and also being able to travel when it was just all becoming a big thing, it was just a very unique experience. Mm, For sure, yeah. And throughout all your travels, what do you think they've taught you about people and psychology and therapy and counseling? I think with traveling, I think it gives me such a wide range of knowledge of humans not just people from Brea or people from Orange County or then people from California, people in the U.S. It gives me such a wide range of knowledge of people. And of course, there's so many cultures and so many people that I have like not even met and I'll always be learning about people. But I think traveling has 
given me, each place I travel teaches me more and more about how different people are and how different, but then also similar people are. And we can think that people are so different, but especially Ukraine, like they're some of my best friends and they live all the way across the country or (laughs) across the world. So there's just so many different things that I've been able to learn. Like we might think we're so different than people, but we're really similar. And I can say that for so many different things, like my Ukrainian friends, but then also my friends on the streets of San Diego, like I'm might feel like I'm so different, but in so many ways, I'm so similar to people. Mm. So that's been something that I've been so lucky to learn is that I might think I'm really different, but I'm really not. And like, we're really, we're all human and we all, yeah, we all are very similar as much as we like to think differently. Mm, That's awesome. And what's one thing you would recommend to someone to just live a regret-free life? I would say never, gosh, what's the word? Never, like, never not engage in conversation with someone. Like, don't be afraid to just go up to someone and ask them about themselves. I think a lot of times, like the conversations that I'm the most scared to have are the ones that I'm able to benefit the most from. So I've seen that, especially within homeless ministry, a lot of conversations that I'm not expecting to get a lot from, I take the most from. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. And I think I'm just going to wrap things up, Holly. Thank you so much for coming onto my podcast. Yeah. And is there anything you want to promote or plug? Like if we can somehow donate to your missions trip or your church's next seniors mission trip or whatever you want to promote? I think the thing I would say is, hmm, there are never going to be enough people supporting our homeless populations. So I think... I don't know, just doing, keeping like a little kit in your car, just like being able to give in a way that helps our friends and not just give money, but give according to people's needs and more just being open ears. And I know it's hard to find homeless ministries anywhere, but just being compassionate towards people who um, might be living on the streets, I think is something that I would just kind of plug. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Holly. This is so awesome. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, it was so awesome hearing the love Holly has for the country of Ukraine. Not many people do missions in the same place for three years in a row. And it's amazing that she can continue the relationships that she built there. And I'm excited to see what else she has in store. So be sure to follow the Recovering Travel Junkie on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And catch us next time, wherever you get your podcasts. See ya.